welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast, the Playground Sessions, Tim. And it is a exciting day today, Tim, isn't it? It, it is an exciting day today. I'm assuming you're talking about the launch. Yes. So as we record this, we've just launched the virtual classroom. So some of you will already be in there. And we look forward to catching up with those of you that haven't even got in there yet. The other thing that's exciting is today's podcast is just me and Jacko. Yes. We haven't got a guest on. Bring, and bringing back the question master. Yes, which I'm excited. <laughs> I haven't got any questions. Dave's got them all. Tim requested three questions, high quality questions, but short and to the point. So we're going to try I miss and... these. Yeah. Often sometimes we just, when we get guests on, we want to maximize the time. So we go a little bit longer, whereas these ones, just a few questions... Knock it out. Potentially ramble on, then it could end up an hour as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll, we'll try it. We're aiming for less than 25 minutes. And do you know what um, what number podcast we're on? 64. Well, that wouldn't... It was 62 last week. <laughs> I'll give you a clue. <laughs> we filmed, we've, we've recorded loads recently. <laughs> I know, yeah. This, but yeah, so we, this, was, this could be 70, but I think it's going to be You don't even know the answer to that question. No, I do. I've planned it at 63. Oh. Is but that the first question? That's the current plan, yeah. <laughs> but then the plan may change. So if, if this isn't 63, please excuse our... Two questions to go. This is going to be doing five minutes. <laughs> Second question, no. So uh, we've got three questions. We're covering three topics. Um, calisthenics for children, calisthenics for sports, specifically swimming, and then also calisthenics for shoulder health slash what to do if you do manage to bugger up your shoulder, mm-hmm. um, which we've got plenty of experience of that. Um, but we're not from calisthenics. Yes. So... Should we crack on with the first? Let's crack on with the first question, Dave. Um, now, I don't know that any... I know one of these questions does has come in through the algorithm, but it's not right. the first one. The oh. first one gets in based on because of children and your love for your own child. Yeah. How <laughs> yeah. enjoyable it is. Tim showed me him hanging onto the bar, which is quite high up, but he was obviously there with his hands burned. But Jack is how old? It'll be two in about a couple of weeks, actually. And he's got very small hands. Small hands, yeah. In proportion to his body, they are normal. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the the pull-up bar at your house is for adults. Yeah, although it is a narrow bar, to be fair. Yeah, but it's house. still yeah. uh, way can, too thick yeah. for him. But impressively, he was hanging on there for... What's his PB? Um, a little over five seconds. <laughs> it's easy. It was, the, the joy in his face there whilst he's hanging uh, is... He loves it. And he can hang on, he can hang on, on a, uh, a normal size of gymnastics rings. But the thing is that the, the, the love of hanging is paralleled with the love of letting go <laughs> yeah. and falling into daddy's arms. Yes. Think, um, which is as fun. Yeah. Um, and so this it sort of comes into question around... Um, clearly, is it's almost like the question is, is he there just playing around with daddy... Or is he doing calisthenics training? He's actually and taking on a bit of the strength and conditioning coaching <laughs> role already it. because when he falls down, he just goes, again, <laughs> again, which is what Karen thinks, my wife, thinks that I do at work. She goes, your job's easy, just tell people to do it again, <laughs> but faster or harder. So he's, he's learning, he's he doing really learning. well. Um, again, again. <laughs> <laughs> so the question, question comes in from Gavin, uh, who is Gav, I-E-F, on Instagram. And the question is more to do with, sort of paraphrasing, it's to do with um, like when's too early to train and is it safe for children and at what age can they actually train? Because we get this question with um, 
with tra- a sort of traditional weightlifting of like, oh, you should, if before a certain age, like it's not good for you to lift weights and this, that, the other. Um, and then, so that's just prompting the same question from him. He's got a two-year-old little boy um, who sees him doing calisthenics and he's trying, and he's starting to mimic him. Mm. And you've, he's had that yourself. And he wanted to know basically, is it safe for such a, the such young development? Um, and is there anything specific he need to be, he should be doing with him or is there anything specifically he should avoid? Yeah, that's a great question. And as you're reading it out, there's so much stuff that goes through my yeah. head. Firstly, a bit of context. I've probably fortunately been involved as a strength and conditioning coach in the industry during a period of time where this has been clarified quite well. So I remember when I first started, there was a lot of sort of chat around kids shouldn't lift weights, it stunts their growth, blah, blah, blah. The UK Strength and Conditioning Association, which is the professional body that, that we're a part of, um, came out with a, uh, a position statement probably about five years ago, I would say, but you can read it on their website about youth training. And the upshot of it is that stunt weightlifting is not bad for children as long as it is done in a safe and progressive way. Um, so if we think that we should be getting a 12-year-old to try and squat a 1RM of a whatever stupid amount of weight, that's not a progressive approach. And then we start to look at the the, the, the types of training that are appropriate. Well, maximal strength at that age is not appropriate. So it then takes out of that conversation, of, is it good or bad? It's just not appropriate. Like we shouldn't be putting kids at that age under one RM efforts. They don't, haven't got the training background to warrant to play at that level. If you look at what kids do, they run, they jump, they hop, they fall, they bounce, they do all these sorts of bodyweight exercises. Grip is a fundamental ability that children are born with, that all the human is born with. Jack has been able to hold my hand since he was a minute old. He's yeah, been you, able to you wrote a great blog yeah. article called Born to Hang, and if you haven't checked that out, I'd, I would recommend having yeah. a read of that. And yet we can get we can dive into the physiology around what happens when you grip and when you hang, but we, we're going to stay away from that because that is a rabbit hole and away from what the, the subject of the question is. But he is able to hang, he's able to climb, he can jump, he can, he can land, he can do all those sorts of things. So... The question then comes back to when is it safe to train or do we rephrase that and go, what is what do we mean by training and do we actually just mean play um, and exploration of movement? As soon as you start to say training, that starts to then get people down the line of how much weight, how many reps and sets, what's my rest period? Kids don't need to train. They need to play. They need to explore movement and they need to develop a physical literacy. And if that is done within the realms of... Uh, or using a progressive approach to training. So if they jump down from a from a, a stone onto or a rock onto the floor that's a foot high and they land it, it's fine. Would we stick them up onto the top of a two-meter-tall box and get them to jump off it? Probably not. Um, like anything, it, it sort of it develops over time. And I just think if you let them do what's comfortable and progress it sensibly and safely within the lines of their ability, and as soon as it gets a bit where you're like, oh, cracky, this may, may not be a good idea, it's probably not a great yeah. idea. I think with what with body weight training or calisthenics, what you do automatically is in terms of things to avoid is you eradicate because you're not using external load. You eradicate those issues that you just mentioned before yeah. about doing high intensity one RM or just high uh, max strength level stuff. You just take that out, so it's not possible. So you're already playing in a safer remit. To me, and this to me, it comes down to um, what. Are they? Are we playing or are we training? And how do we actually define training? Like you said, that jumping down off a wall, they're going to do that, and that's just them messing about. But what if we put them on a box in a gym, the exact same height of the wall, and coach them, call to, it plyometrics, yeah, and did a and did a depth jump, yeah. depth jump? Would we say that now they're training? Because I've given them some coaching cues mm. for it. But then, because then you start going, okay, well, 
whether you like it or not, whether you want your kid to do calisthenics or not, they are going to, whether you call it play, whether you call it training, whether you call it exploration, whether you call it development, if he's two years old, so he's walking, mm. he's learned to walk, he squats when he does, when he picks up his toys, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So whether we like it or not, they do. I remember seeing, waiting for a ferry once um, in this big queue for a ferry and there was like um, just a, a, some bollardy type bars um, out in front and there was a family obviously they weren't British because they were we were sat in our cars just complaining but they were they were I think they were from I think we were in Holland or somewhere like that and they, they, there was three kids um, spinning around on this bar they were skinning the cat well I looked at it and said that looks like you're skinning the cat but they were just playing mm. and is that safe or not for them? It's doing exactly what you said. They're just having a, they're exploring. They're not doing something that's outside of their remit because they're not, they don't think they're training, trying to execute a certain move. They're just actually just enjoying moving about yeah. and, and that's going to happen naturally. Yeah. And intrinsically their limitations will tell them where, where yeah. is the stopping point? And training comes to a point where we go, okay, oh, training or encouragement. There might come a point when your child is of a certain age where you go, come on, we can try a little bit or let's do another one or let's do a little, yeah. let's try and do a standing long jump and jump a little bit further. Those things are fine. But then you just starting to get into the realms of, what does good landing mechanics look like? What does good takeoff mechanics look like? And those things are important. But there comes a point where we have to just let kids be kids. And the most important thing we can do is let them just explore and play. And we can create an environment in which they can do that to, to, to develop a multitude of different movement abilities. So if you want to set up an obstacle course in your back garden, which involves crawling, climbing, and and I don't know, even, even like carrying if you want to, those things are all fine. But just it has to be done within a, within a safe, progressive, sensible way. Um, and it's not, it, no, if it's done within those parameters, it, it's not dangerous. It gets dangerous when we start to um, do things because we're in a rush to try and move them to a particular outcome. I think that's probably the major thing. Like the, the, the focus of development for kids at that stage is just let, the, the focus is improve physical literacy. As soon as it starts becoming, I want to jump higher or run faster, then you're starting to get into the realms of training. And we need to just then be progressive with that. And even if you get through it, you've got a 15 year old, okay, they're in a place then where we can start to kind of give them a little bit more information. And are they already at a stage where they can take on coaching cues and can they behave to an appropriate level within a training environment? That's another con like uh, consideration of going, have you developed the maturity to train at that level? And if I tell you to jump off this box, I need you to land softly. I need you to keep your knees over your toes and however we might phrase that up. Can you take those cues and can you deliver that? Then you're fine. You're, st you're still playing in the realms, but that child still, like we always say, has had to earn the right to progress to get there from a yeah. number of different levels. So it sounds complicated like we're talking about a lot, but actually, it's really not and from a child perspective anything under the age of say 12 it's just physical exploration just yeah. get into a lot of different stuff um, and just make it fun and that's the biggest thing if it's fun and they're enjoying it um, and it's challenging to a, to a level then you're going to be yeah, good and, and calisthenics the, offers all those things yeah and that, that's a great a number of great points and the the fact that you say that it's fun and they're enjoying it. That's very different to saying, oh, we're going to do this today because I think you need to do X. Mm. And Gav's little lad is two years old. So, you know, he's yeah. tiny. He's only just started his life, let alone yeah, yeah. his training career. And if he's... If he's if he likes doing a press a press up type position because daddy's doing one and he's it's probably mm. gonna be all over the place, but he's just having a bit of fun with what daddy is doing as well, then like that's yeah. a, that's a good thing. I would just I haven't got any kids, but I would I would one thing I would do if I did was to try and be conscious of whatever I do. So we go, he likes doing a push up, but it's because he likes to mimic what daddy's doing, and so 
can if if I was a father, can I try and expose them to as many different um, things as possible so that then they can start to pick and choose yeah, which yeah. ones they actually like? Because he might not actually like doing push-ups, but he's just doing it because that's the only yeah, thing yeah. that he thinks you like doing. Yeah, it's something that's just fun. Like I've got a video on my phone <laughs> um, from last summer. Um, and Cara and I walked around to the shops with a dog, and we got Jack, and we had we bought I think it was a four pint. Um, bottle of milk I've never seen the video this is priceless yeah and Jack wanted to carry it so I, I put it on the floor and he, he picks he sits down into sort of like a real squat position or deadlift position and he puts his hands around and he picks it up and he holds it close to his chest and he starts walking with it just like you would do if you were going to be a strong man you're going to carry yeah. something I haven't taught him to do that he knows and in, in just intrinsically knows how to pick something up which is a, an incredible thing because somewhere along the line in adulthood we lose that ability but he dropped it and he picked it up again and he's, he's having a great time. Boy, but, does he love that milk. <laughs> yeah, got to get the gains. Um, but if you took that as a percentage of his body weight, like it's, it's a load. Like he's, it's, it's not light for him at that age. Um, but I didn't run over and go, stop, well, don't pick that up because that's also the worst thing you can do because he's now going to get into this mindset of I can never pick anything up. And that's not going to serve him very well when he's, when he's older and if he wants to play sport. So... Yeah, I, I, what if you if you kind of take a step back and it's interesting that there was a conversation around this and it had to be clarified to a certain point, which was important to give people parameters to work in. But it sounds like common sense. Yeah. At the end of the day, because yeah. um, what you um, said at the beginning about it needs to be safe and progressive. With, yeah. As adults, we need that yeah. as well, don't we? Yeah, and, and if you don't know what what that what that looks like or what that means, that's when we have the benefit of of some experience within what a progressive training program needs to look like, and you can go and explore that or get good people around to help when you get to the right age like we've jack and i used to do some work with um, some of the burton albion juniors and they would come in and we would do 20 minutes of some structured work of some like movement um patterns and starting to develop some areas that were going to be particularly sort of important for their performance and then the rest of it was like playground in the gym they're like can we go and jump on that box we're gonna come over there can i hang on that <laughs> yeah fine like, like just go for your life do whatever you want yourself. yeah just, like, just sign this waiver and then like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fortunately dads were there but yeah Great question. Loads in there. And I hope there's some to give you the freedom to just, um, and a bit of those of you that got kids that want to get moving and just, yeah, have fun with it. And just if you be inventive and creative. If you want a full copy of Tim's boys, Jack's uh, training program regime, just email Tim at schoolcast.com. Yeah. And if you're interested <laughs> in the science of it, just search uh, UK Strength and Condition Association um, position on youth development and you'll find a, a short sort of overview of what, what the stance is from, from the governing body of strength training in the UK. Well, that was a very short and concise. Oh, and 14 minutes in already, though. <laughs> How many? Yeah, 14. 14. We had That's a bit of fluffing at the start, didn't we? Crack on. <laughs> so, question number two. <laughs> it's um, calisthenics for swimming, which All I right. know we've done a lot of work um, with swimmers, particularly para swimmers, um, and used calisthenics when appropriate into their program, not just shoehorning it in because we just thought it was fun. Um, and it opens up the question that we both are passionate about of, um calisthenics not only being just a great form of uh training for those of us that just want to have a bit of fun with our training challenge ourselves learn something new all those type of things but also how can it be used within the sporting context and even sort of the physios that we've been speaking to and delivered a, a workshop at the with the is around with physios around how can it improve shoulder health and we'll get on to that a little yeah, bit that, i guess in the last question yeah yes that don't know for anybody oh. english institute of sport they basically provide the sport science support services for, for elite sport in the uk that was client that was that that was a travesty <laughs> shoe warnings but um yeah so the question about calisthenics for swimming comes from jake robinson on facebook and he says sorry for the boring easy name to read 
because he was signed himself off Jamie and I was like guilty he's in he's on the inside Um, he is swimming at Lake Windermere Uh, for those that not in the know the north of England very well is a beautiful place (sighs) the Lake District is a very special place Um, and I have been there but not had the pleasure of swimming in Lake Windermere I'm not sure that I would (laughs) like to Um, I've sailed on Lake Windermere yeah. Have you done it? Yeah, I did my uh, Royal Yachting Association level two. Have you scubaed in? I'm learning new things. So you have a say, say that again. Wait, RYA level two, Royal Yachting Association. Yeah. So what's to, to yacht or to teach yachting? No, level like, two what? No, no, just basically if you wanted to, if you're on holiday and you, you wanted to hire a boat, so I'll give right. you a boat. But I say boat, what I mean is something with a sail and a rudder. Like, it's not like yachting. Oh, so you don't need uh, someone with you? I mean, I did it when I was about 16, 17, so... Is it still valid? Is it still in... I assume so. Is it like once, you're in, once a yachter, like always a yachter. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be into water sports. I've got... Oh, I'm fine with that. I'm using that. I've got what white. level windsurfing? Two, but I stopped because they were boring. Oh, but you, you have got level... How many certificates have you got? Basically, with windsurfing, I just wanted out. to go fast in a straight line. So I bought a short board, but I wasn't very good at turning around. So I used to just like, we used to go to the Lake District like windsurfing on yeah. the Coniston Water. You used to point the board in one direction, just leather it, and then do the worst turn you ever see, and then come back fast in the same direction. So I just, I couldn't be bothered, like, yeah, that was as far as I got. But I loved it. It's amazing. I've, I did it once in Jamaica. Oh, there you go. I actually went of her own accord. No, it was actually in Jamaica. Anyway, swimming. <laughs> swimming. Yeah, I know exactly. So he's doing te- so he is doing ten k. Um, I believe it's for charity as well, actually. Um, so we'll make sure we sponsor you. Ten k at Lake Windermere. Um, that sounds like a long way swimming. I did four lengths the other day in a eighteen meter pool. <laughs> um, I've got some goggles for me for, for Christmas, um, and he wants to use calisthenics for swimming. And or he has been using it for his swimming. I want to know if there's anything specific that we would recommend him doing for the strength and endurance part of his 10k challenge. Oh, do you want me to go? I would say so. Okay. Uh, I think there are so many benefits of calisthenics for swimming. Um, there is some a little bit of science background. If you start, if you read the, some of the stuff around transfer of training, so what I mean by that is. In a strength and conditioning environment or in a sports performance environment, we do things in the gym in the hope that they're then going to make an improvement or a difference on the sports performance. Um, if you want to be a better track sprinter, lifting heavy or training power, doing Olympic lifting, that's going to be of benefit because it's going to improve the amount of force or the power that you can produce and therefore it's going to help you to run faster. Swimming is a difficult one because we don't train in the same environment as which we, we swim or compete. So it's very different in terms of or the guarantee is much less because if we go and do, for example, a lap pull down, do which is which is you could legitimately say as a useful exercise, is that going to give us a good transfer of training effect? I.e., is that going to make us better at swimming? Um, arguably, not as much as doing a pull up because you aren't using the entire kinetic chain. So to be a, a strong and efficient swimmer, you need to be able to link the hand through the pelvis and into the feet. It's a real full body movement, and the, the integration of the kinetic chain or your movement system within that is really important. People that swim well can create really good, efficient stroke technique. It doesn't cost them a lot to move. Um, And by doing calisthenics and having that sort of stuff in your program, it's going to teach you to start to connect multiple joints together. So when the hand hits the water in the catch position, you want to be able to create a nice strong elbow position, transfer that force through the the shoulder, through the midsection and the hips, and then through the feet or or connect it with the feet or the power the feet are providing. 
that's one of the real benefits of calisthenics in that you have to link things together if you're going to be able to have any success in it. So whether that's a handstand, whether you're doing lever progressions, you could even argue it down to a human flag in terms of just creating that connection. You're doing something which is quite unique, which you don't get the same opportunity to do in a shoulder press or a bench press, for example. So there are massive benefits. The other thing around hand balancing, I'll throw it over to Jacko for yes. some thoughts. Um, if we were training for us from a, a field-based sport like rugby or hockey, we do quite a lot of agility work and we'd be, we'd be interested in the hip um, knee ankle stability and our, our, our ability to change direction and to be able to respond and react to different um, body positions or different uh, movement patterns from the opposition. In swimming, we have a fairly standard environment, but the hand is our, is our main base of support or point of contact. So it makes sense that we start to improve the proprioception or the amount of control that we have, um, and kinesthetic awareness of where the hand is in space and the diversity of how precisely that can move to create um to respond to changes in the environment around us so if the hand is better glued in with the, with the brain we understand where we are in space better we can be more precise with our movements we can produce more efficient movement patterns and the real benefit for you um around uh, open water swimming particularly is if it's windy if there's other people in the water the environment's less predictable than it is in a pool so i think there's even more benefits from having lots of movement options from an open water swimming perspective of doing calisthenics because it's an unpredictable environment or less so than it is in um uh in in a pool yeah. and as far as i know there's no monsters in lake windham there's no Nessie equivalent. There are a lot of boats, though. Big boats. I would still wear a wetsuit, would be one recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I also didn't, uh, to, to transfer training effect, I didn't, um, I should have gone back and asked him what stroke he was planning on doing, because mm. it's going to be potentially a little bit different if he's doing fly. 10K. The 10K of fly. I'm assuming it's backstroke. <laughs> or breast. <laughs> um, yeah, no, to, just to add to that and then maybe give a little bit of um, things you could try and uh, and get really good at would be that um, I did my, when I did my UKSCA um, case study, it was on a, on a swimmer, 400 meter swimmer who, um, one, some of the some of the research I was trying to prove the reason why I'd taken the approach to the training that, that we did was that um, the amount of force you can apply into the water, and even for an able-bodied um, sprinter, swimming-wise, was like 5 to 10 newtons of force. So like a small amount of force. So about what, 16 kilos to put it into... Yeah, into old everyday, money. Old money, yeah, yeah. Um, and that is... Um, that's a small amount of force. So it's the idea of him doing... Um, you know, heavy bench pressing was not gonna. What would what would be the point in having a load more force you could apply, and then you can't apply it to the water because the water moves and it's not a stable position to push against. Like compared to running, you're applying force down into mm. the floor for your foot. Then obviously, you can the more force you can put into the floor, unless you chuck Norris and move the wheel down, you're getting pushed forward. Um, so we did a load of work on um, high, like big volume, high number of repetitions and uh, lower intensity in terms of how hard the necessary exercise was. So um, what that could look like for, um, I forgot what that's, uh, Jake, Jamie, Jake. Conquestion master. <laughs> was, um, was um, so things like you know, your YTWs, but just rather than doing 10 of them, what are you like when you're doing 20 of them? Can you link what Tim, like Tim was saying? Can you link it through and maintain a good body position all the way through? Um, wall walks, 
you know, getting up, building up some volume, shoulder taps, um, holding that handstand position, uh, maybe against walls, you're not worrying about your balance, but actually pushing and staying strong there, but accumulate some time there. So you're actually building up that capacity rather than trying to see how many uh, like handstand push-ups could you do and you might be maxing out at like three, four, five, or even if you could do 10, it's not necessarily going to give you quite as much of the um, shoulder stability aspect that we're trying to build up rather than the force application. Yeah, and I think the important thing about that is you're talking about your ability to maintain a high elbow position. So you're going to be swimming freestyle, uh, just to clarify, we do know yeah. what stroke it's going to be, or imagine at least. You're going to be doing freestyle, which means if you can keep the elbow high, your catch position is more efficient or is more effective. As soon as that elbow drops in the water, which can happen because the shoulder isn't able to maintain that high position, you haven't got the stability uh, and the muscular endurance like, around the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah this gap just not able to, to stay in a good shape when that elbow drops your catch position is going to decrease or your effectiveness of your catch position will decrease and therefore you are going to become less efficient in the water when you swim in 10k you want to be as efficient as you yeah. can so if i was you i'd be prioritizing strength endurance over over yeah. the amount of strength i would have a little bit of strength in there because it's good for open water swimming making you a bit more robust and 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 that side of things but in terms of that you talked about sort of that you're going to get in that red zone a little bit some of the, the it's going to get a bit nasty at times the more of that kind of work you can do to keep yourself efficient keeping the elbows high so just get absolutely hammering into um, ring reverse flies into ytws into scaptions um, or like y positions on the ball um rows anything which is working that sort of pulling mechanics and with arms overhead straight arms you don't need a huge amount of load but getting the volume yeah. packed in yeah. that is going to work wonders oh, and if right. you can start to transfer that through a stable core um, and you've got a good shoulder range of movement you're going to be doing pretty well yeah and the last thing we used to put in for real sweetener for people they used to hate it but if you want to go yeah if you want to get sort of in the red zone and, and start to play around at that, that lactate threshold level where it gets really grotty and nasty Get some battle rope sets in your program, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, and that'll take you to a place which is particularly unpleasant, but will prepare you for the equal unpleasantness that comes from trying to swim 10K in Lake Windermere. Yeah. Right. We're going to do some more on this. I think it's a great, uh, it's a great conversation we've had around calisthenics for swimming. So that's yeah. one we and and other sports because there's a lot of a lot of you out there doing other bits and pieces mm. um, as well. So you know you, you're a, you're a runner or you play hockey or you play rugby or you you do some other sports and how can it how can it uh, transfer and how can it help with that? Right, 24 minutes. We've got shoulders to go. Boom. This could be a long one. So Daniel James on the uh, IG Instagram. on the gram. On the gram. Gramming. Um, and he says, hey guys, what's the longest you are out for with a shoulder um, issue? Specifically, Tim, as I know you've had a shoulder injury. Um, do you still train lower body parts um, when you're injured? Um, or did you just like cut out all, did all activity altogether? I feel like I've hogged this podcast a bit, Dave. Oh, I'll kick off then. So, Daniel, I too have had a number of shoulder injuries. <laughs> you just want to know about your shoulder injuries. I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll let him know. So, Dan, thanks for the question. We'll and, get hard um, of this. Somebody wants to say, oh, come on, I want to listen to a podcast where Tim doesn't mention shoulder injuries. That's not my fault. People want to know. Yeah, you, but it's good. And you, I know you're gonna, you're, I'm going to leave you to touch on a point that I think you, you'll, you'll definitely get into about like training. What else I did. Enough, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so from my perspective, I worst shoulder injury I had when playing rugby was I broke my um, shoulder blade in two places, the coracoid and the acromion process, and uh, separated my AEC joint, which is maintained separated. Were you when you did that? Did you have the ball, or were you trying um, to get the ball from someone else? So I um, stupidly had the ball because we sort of messed up our line out. I was on the blind uh, wing. 
and the ball came down and, and um, all I had to do was kick it. Just get rid of it. You got Jacko. a good boot as well. You Just see. get rid of it. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'd probably maybe kicked it too much in the paddle. I could imagine the coach just screaming, don't kick it. So, <laughs> so I didn't, which was a bad option because all that was really in front was, so where the line out was, there's like eight massive blokes, but both teams, so there's actually 16 guys mm. there, but not all of them are trying to hurt you. Well, some on your own team might do. <laughs> but, um, so I just like run into like the biggest bloke on their team who ends me. Um, his shoulder hit my shoulder and I remember just crumbling to the floor um, we kept the ball. We won the rock. Oh. And I remember Captain Hammer was on top of me. Um, and he was like, you're right, Jacko. I was like, uh, 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 no, I don't think I... Like, you know, most of the time, you know, when you know you've injured, mm. I, it was like, I'm not shaking this off. Yeah. Like, something is wrong. Um, yeah, that get, was fun. Get the sponge. Get, <laughs> get the magic sponge. <laughs> well, spray. So I... Um, I was in hospital the next day. Obviously, we didn't go to hospital that night because we were told it'll be fine, Jack. No, there were beers that need drinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I woke up in the morning. I couldn't move my arm more than about one millimeter. Um, <laughs> and the physio said, "Yeah, probably go to a &E. um, So the doctor was crowding around my. He looked at my X-ray and went, "Oh, this is this is interesting. Can I get a few other people to look at this?" There were about ten people crowded around my <laughs> thing. Going, we only see this in car crashes, and I was like, "It pretty much was one." Anyway. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was, minutes. that was a bad, <laughs> that was just a kind you asked about how, whether oh, I was good story. So, um, yeah, so that was pretty bad. Um, I think I played again four months later with my shoulder strapped up to the hill mm. and was nowhere near ready to play, but that was life. Um, and what did the, I remember, I think I was in a sling for six weeks and, um, it was just so painful. I couldn't really do anything. The level, like I thought I could do stuff. So I tried to pick up a dumbbell with my left arm and it was excruciating pain because mm. even just the, the force I was having to create on that left side was you know, going through the chain and it was, yeah, I literally couldn't really do anything. I, I don't think I was even able to train any lower body um, at all. Six weeks later, sling comes off and I remember thinking like, right, Rehab starts, we're back in business, let's flip and go. I still couldn't move my arm. Mm. Um, and I said to the physio, how long is this going to take? He was like, well, probably about six to eight weeks. And I was yeah, like, okay, yes. that's not too bad. Uh, and, uh, and I thought he meant six to eight weeks to like get back to doing it. He was like, no, no, so you can lift your arm above mm. your head. And I spent weeks in a swimming pool, standing up with my arm on a float, just like <laughs> the success of like what you realize, like success was like, I moved my arm like three centimeters. <laughs> like it's just brutal. Um, and I had a very skinny arm when, I, yeah, when yeah. I was, and then you got to build then everything back up. But that is, uh, that is life. So for me, I had to do very, very little, but that's quite an extreme case. If you've, you know, a lot of, one of the most common injuries people get with the shoulder will be some sort of, um, rotator cuff strain or, um, shoulder impingement. Yeah. Um, and they're, that is not going to, depending on how bad it is, that's not going to put you out of action totally for your entire body mm. altogether. Um, and so it's going to depend on it. The, the answer to this, we'll let Tim then jump in. The answer to this, James, uh, Daniel, sorry, is not necessarily like, there's definitely not a one size fits all when it comes to managing niggles and injuries. Yeah. Um, and the most important thing is that we're seeing you know, medical professionals, physios, doctors, and following what they say. I was fortunate that I was in a professional rugby environment where I got to see a physio every day and mm. I know people don't get to do that and it can be much more difficult depending yeah. on how you're doing it. But 
we need to seek out the, you know, the proper advice and follow a proper rehab yeah. uh, program. Yeah, I think that's the thing. In, in the first instance, you've got to follow the advice of the physio or the medical practitioner that you're working with because you can, you can get in a rush to get back into the gym and you, you can start to get the psychology kicks in of like, I'm not training, I don't feel good, I don't look good. I had all of that stuff. But the reality is the amount of damage that you could potentially do during those early stages of overloading it is just going to come back and bite you. And if you if you had any kind of repair like I did, like a surgical intervention, or it's something which needs some time, it's a tendonitis, or it needs some 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 um, a little bit of load reduction. So in terms of what you're currently doing to to give it time to heal and mend, um, you've got to give it that opportunity. The shoulder needs a little bit of special love because it's because of its architecture. You can't just it's, it's not that robust in terms. Of you can't just hammer away at it. So that'd be my first piece of advice. Just just wait until you are signed off to go back to something. Jacko is dead right. I won't reiterate the point too much, but I had my, after the second surgery, that was probably the one where I knew most about training. So it's probably the best case for me to give you. Um, six weeks in a sling. And then like same thing, couldn't move it pretty much when I, when I took it out of the sling. Um, so the first... It's amazing, isn't it? How just by not moving it, how... It just shows yeah. you like that sort of use it or lose it attitude. That yeah. How much you lose, it's incredible. Yeah, you'd, I'd have mine tightened up in terms of they, they'd re- taken a little bit of rotation or external rotation capacity out because is of that how they mended it. Screw, they, was that through Sutras screws? in there. Yeah, there's not metal work in there. I think oh, they just okay. put some like two little... Like, Paper clips or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, they can apparently each one, there's two, I've got two, but they can each take half a ton, so it should be all right, <laughs> which is enough to do a human you flag. Need to, yeah, you should bulk up a bit. I know, I could do more. Um, so yeah, I couldn't move it. So the first job is to try and get back range of movement. And then, so fast forward a bit, after I've been signed off from a medical professional, you sort of get left to your own devices and you get some really boring exercises to do, which are really tedious. We do them because it does help. Um, but the thing I found about trying to find other ways to train was that I couldn't get my shoulder into external rotation enough to do a back squat um, because I hadn't got the range of movement on my shoulder. I couldn't hold anything heavy, so I couldn't do any dumbbell-based work um, and obviously couldn't deadlift. Um, so what I did was leg press for a bit. And I did that for about a week. and went, this is rubbish. I'm not doing this anymore. I stopped. So I went back to doing some like single leg squatting. I did what the sort of core training that I could do. But to be honest, it was just a matter of slowly trying to build it back up. People, you could do a, um, uh, you could squat with a foot with a, um, what, I feel my mind's gone blank. What are the bars called when you oh, have the, a, um, it's like a, like a yeah, saddle safety bar. Yeah, safety, safety bar. You could do a safety bar squat if you could get into that position. But I think stay, the biggest thing about it, stay away from pain. Don't do anything yeah. that seems like it's a ridiculous thing to do, like dumbbell lunges carrying 20 kilos on a shoulder, which is painful while you're doing it. If it's not hurting and it's within the realms of what the physio has said you can do, and always ask them, just say, can I do this? And they'll yeah. tell you whether you can or not. Um, just, just just play it safe. And to be honest, the, the best piece of advice I can give you is it, it, you've just got to let it play out. You, you can't really rush it. The only thing you can do to make it better faster is do the exercises that you're told to do. So even when you then it doesn't hurt anymore. Pain is a real r- good reminder of telling us we've got to do these things. But when the pain goes away because you're getting through that healing phase, you forget to do them. And then sooner or later, you'll get signed off. Even if you haven't really kind of done all of your exercise and your training, you'll get to a point where they say, right, okay, you're pain-free, you can go. Yeah. And you go back to what you were doing before. You haven't upgraded the stability and the strength foundations to be able to then go and do what you want. And that's what the mistake I've made in the past. I didn't do anything different, so and I hadn't done enough. So my shoulder was pain-free, but not stable enough to go and lift weights and play rugby. So yes. I continued to have problems. And that's where I think the value of having calisthenics in your program is, is you 
you you you make some more of those upgrades because the 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 type of training is so focused around integration of the shoulder and the hip, which are two structures which need to work well together for the shoulder to be stable. But you're also getting grip, you're getting hanging, you're getting closed chain work on the floor. There's so many good things that you can do for the shoulder through bodyweight training that by having that in a program, you're going to make some upgrades. You just have to be sensible about when that is the right time to do it. There is, we will definitely be doing more work and, and having a conversation in the in our space in the future around the use of bodyweight training in late stage rehab. And we've already been doing that with, with UKSCA and physiotherapists. So yeah. definitely some space in there. Play it safe. Go with the medical professional and keep it pain-free. Yeah. Uh, move away from pain. That's one I can give Carpolis yeah. phrase. Move away from pain. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just my, my sort of final sign off from a personal note that I've always found um, injuries very, very difficult to deal with. Um, and one thing I learned by the end of my rugby career was, um, and it was interesting, probably probably right, that an injury, a head injury it was that ended my career was, I'd got to the point where I realised, I was like, you know, when I get injured, even when it's like not necessarily what you would classify as an overuse injury or from fatigue, like an impact injury that was just, that was just a bit of bad yeah. luck. I sort of came to the conclusion that, it was always when my body was just going, I've had enough checker. Yeah. You just need to give me a bit of time off yeah. and back off. And this is the only way you're going to let me do it. And I think that my, the thing, my encouragement to you is it will get better. So give it that time that Tim's talking about. Because that's what you feel like when you're injured. Or for me, definitely, and I'm sure some people will be able to resonate with this. Whilst you're injured, you can't imagine ever not being injured. Or mm. that you sometimes in that phase and just take some encouragement that it will get better, but give it that time to yeah. do it and follow exactly what the physio or whatever person you're working with says. And from our perspective as working with athletes, if we get an athlete that's injured, look at it as an opportunity. So I can't lift, okay? That doesn't mean I can't do anything. I might be struggling with some hip range of movement mobility or, or my hamstrings are, are, are super tight. Look at what else you can do and make steps forward to improve those things so that when you get your shoulder back, for example, to full health, mm. you've also made some upgrades along the way. Just don't, don't like, I would dis. I would not encourage you to just sack it off and, and be like, I just wait for the show to get better while I sit on the TV, on the couch and eat a load of crap food. I'd be like making an investment in somewhere else. What else can I do, which is going to keep me interested, keep me training, keep me in the gym, keep me feeling good that I'm doing something, but is also maximizing the situation that you find yourself in, which is unfortunate, but the reality of we get injured. It happens. Um, so just, yeah, turn a, turn a negative into a positive. That is very, and that is a beautiful, turn a negative into positive. It's a beautiful way, Tim, to finish this week's podcast. I enjoyed that. I like these. It's a great one. And it was what? That must have been quite short, concise, 20 minutes, was it? That's exactly 20 minutes. (laughs) exactly If you divide the total time by two, (laughs) then it is. So if we're quick, Dave, you've got two minutes to wrap this up and we'll be done by 40. Perfect. Right. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast. If you have any questions, whether you want to send us on email, whether you want to uh, message us on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you'd like to interact with us, then send us a message. We also just want to flag up to you that we're a couple of weeks into the virtual classroom having been opened. We would love to see you guys and hang out in there with you. A great place to ask questions. Yeah, well, yes, there's going to be the chance. One of the things that's going to be big on there is the live webinars that we're going to run. We'll archive them as well, so you, if you miss them. But there's going to be the chance to ask live in person, video format wise, that we can go through some specifics with everyone that is within the virtual classroom. Um, and we're describing, it, or for us, it is one of the most supportive communities of, of people training for for bodyweight and calisthenics. Um, in the world and we want to we're part of that and want to share that with you guys to help you redefine your impossible yeah 
instead of going to iTunes and giving us a five star review, just do that this week. Just go to the virtual I'll go and classroom. have a look at it. Yeah, well, yeah. you could do both if you're really yeah. on board. If you've really enjoyed it or got some yeah. interest out of the last thirty nine minutes. And for those of you that do like the podcast and you think it's a five star, but you've not actually given us a review yet, yeah. and you're like, oh, I need to, but I keep forgetting to. This is the encouragement to yeah. do it now because Tim's watching you. Yeah, he knows me. You don't do it. Yeah, we we like it when you tell us that you like us. <laughs> for being honest right guys that was amazing thank you so much for being part of School of Calisthenics until next time class dismissed that's 39 minutes and 30 seconds